Jonathan Edwards once wrote, God created man for nothing else but happiness. He created him only that he might communicate happiness to him. Join Adam Howell, Ryan Hanley, and Caleb Niedemeyer as they discuss living out deeply rooted affections. This is Oaks of Righteousness Podcast. Welcome back to Oaks of Righteousness Podcast. My name is Caleb Niedemeyer, joined by Adam Howell and Ryan Hanley. Hello. Shalom. Gentlemen, we're back in the proverbial saddle, because I don't know if any of us own an actual saddle. I do Mm -hmm. not. No, I don't. I almost bought a motorcycle last week, so that would have had a saddle on it, but... Wow. What what does Bon Jovi call it? The old iron horse? Steel horse. On a steel Steel horse horse I ride, yeah. Nice. I did not buy a motorcycle, uh, though. Why not? Because it was expensive, and I still have children at home. And um, the topic of the day is discouragement. That's why I brought up that I didn't buy a motorcycle. <laughs> You're discouraged now. <laughs> Adam's a no, little, this is, little uh, down. Liz desperately wants to get me a motorcycle or to allow me to have one, but she is she is hesitant, and uh, I want to respect that. And financially, we don't need to do that. So, yeah, just trying to... Did you to... guys just up your life insurance policy? Is that why she desperately wants to get you one, or...? <laughs> Uh, no, no, no. She desperately would like to get me a motorcycle because she knows how bad I would like one and she loves me deeply. Um, but, uh, no, I don't know if, I don't know what our life insurance is. So (laughs) (laughs) it's always a good sign. Yeah. That's funny. Well, yeah, Adam, you introduced a little bit. We want to talk about discouragement today. Um, just in the last several months, uh, the, with COVID and different things happening, a lot of conversations that that I've been having with other people and then just in life in general, there's just a lot of discouragement that seems to be uh, going around and wanted to kind of talk a little bit about that as I was thinking through affections and Edwards, I was thinking about his life even this morning as I was um, trying to be cognitive uh, at 4 a.m. The... Uh, <laughs> Just the trajectory. Yeah, we, we persistently make Caleb get up super early to do this. So, yeah. hey, look, I don't feel bad. We told you seven to seven thirty Eastern time, which is five a.m. If you were up at four, that's on you, man. That's true. Or my children who were up at four. Oh One my. of the two. It's on, it was on somebody. So, um, but even Edwards, who uh, had just a, a profound joy in life went through discouraging seasons. Uh, I mean, he was at his grandfather's church and he's teaching and preaching and they kick him out um, because of of different situations and things where he he believes um, certain things about communion and and different things. And that had to be a profoundly discouraging time in his life. And what amazes me is that he, (laughs) the church asks him to stay until they find another pastor. Yeah. And he does it. Which I'm like, dude, I'm not that way. <laughs> hey, look, we don't want you to be our pastor, but can you stay until we find another guy? Nope. Peace out. <laughs> and You're pretty terrible, goes, but we need to settle on something. Then he goes off to uh, be a missionary with the, the Indians. 
and that's when he writes a lot of the the things that we read about um, from Edwards. So he uses this season when it could have been a very um, discouraging season of, oh, woe is me, nobody likes me, nobody wants me. But he he uses it for God's glory and the furthering of the kingdom uh, among the Indians there and uh, even in his own writing. So I just want to kind of talk about that a little bit in our own lives where how do we handle discouragement? How do we have a, a foundation that moves us forward and a big enough view of, of life and the glory of God that that doesn't get us down and depressed when we um, when we go into seasons where we we don't really want to be where we're we're at in life. There wasn't really a question in there, um, but <laughs> that's that's kind of my thought as I was as I was um, contemplating these these things. Yeah, I was just gonna say, keep going. You're doing great. Yeah, I don't I don't have that much. That's probably all the the words that I have that can go into sentences at this time. So. I'll just ask this question. Do you guys, generally I, I end up being a discouraged person um, when things don't go the way <laughs> that I want them to, which is probably 98% of the time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, I thought you were going to say 98% of people react that way when things don't go the way that they want them to. But. Well, I'm just going to assume that, but I don't, I don't know. But do you, do you guys struggle with that, or is that just something that's, um, I don't know, the, I think for me it depends. Um, I think I have a pretty wide threshold uh, for when things aren't going the way that I want, where there's sort of this detached, emotionless, just kind of like, all right, solve that problem, solve that problem, solve that problem. Uh, you know, and then at some point it gets to a place where uh, I'm not sure how else to solve problems. So now, now I'm going to look at it and be like, okay, maybe there's something, maybe I can't do anything about this. Then discouragement hits. So, yeah, um, yeah. I I'm not a. Well, yeah. I don't know. This this is funny for us, I guess. I don't. I'm not a super introspective person as it relates to like how I'm feeling or why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling. So I think what happens for me very often is I will be discouraged or maybe what we call depressed, but I don't really even know it. Liz can tell it because I'm distant or I'm acting differently or something like that. And so she's been very help. She's very helpful for me to just kind of bring that to the front, like, Hey, what's wrong. But so, so, okay. That's, that's one thing. The next thing is when I then realize, okay, I actually am discouraged. I, I can almost always pin it back. And I'm not saying, I don't want to say this is always the case for everybody, but I can almost always pin it back to some selfish desire in me that hasn't been met. Um, so for, for example, for me, like a bad day would be, uh, so personality wise, I just, I'm an accomplisher. I, I feel joy and, uh, a sense of, um, what's the sense a- accomplishment when something gets done for the day. Um, but like right now being in between semesters, there's really not a whole lot getting done. There's a whole lot that needs to get done, but it's just a lot of piddling. And so for, for a lot of the day, a lot of days in the summers, I'll go home and I'm just kind of like, meh, <laughs> how was your day? 
I just imagine Adam walking into his house doing that. All the, all the kids running to him, Liz saying hi, and I'm just like, meh. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's about how it is because I haven't gotten anything done. I've you know I've worked, I've piddled, and by piddling, I mean like I've done this, 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 this task, this task, this task, and it's all related to a big project, but nothing got done. But then I have to step back and think about that for a moment. Like that's just a personal. Uh, that's not a bad goal, but that's just something that in me is like, hey, that didn't get done. And what it does is it removes, it remo- my, my mind is removed in that moment and my heart is removed in that moment from the constant joy that's available in Christ. And I'm focusing on a circumstance, I'm focusing on myself. And again, I, I don't want to pin that on everybody. I'm just speaking from my personal experience. But I, I find that uh, a lot of times for me, that discouragement will come uh, when when something feels awry in my own scenario that isn't going with what I would have expected or wanted. Now, as I'm talking about that, I'm realizing that that the discouragement could very often be for some people an attack uh, from Satan. It could be uh, there. There are a number of I think, uh, legitimate suffering scenarios where discouragement can be the product that it's not a selfish desire. So so that's why I'm trying to say I don't want to pin that on everybody, but a lot of times for me, discouragement will come as a result of just things didn't go my way. And um, I think, Caleb, that was kind of maybe what you were hinting at at the beginning, too. So I can resonate with that. Um, for me, it, a lot of times it becomes something silly, which is unfortunate, but for a lot of people, I know it can't. The discouragement can be a, a result of something very serious, so I don't want to discount that. But yeah, that's good. Yeah, I, I mean, I think ultimately all of those things are rooted in something mm-hmm. not going the way that we want or expect it to go. Um, but like you're saying, sometimes that can be things that are a lot more mundane, uh, and then we realize, you know. Uh, my my hope is not in the Lord. I haven't been casting my eyes on Christ in this situation or something like that. Yeah, and I, I think even just for going back to the example of accomplishing things in the day, like if I shift my mind to if I shift my mind to the notions of God has given me the ability to work and to and to do and to get some things accomplished and. You know, when Liz will ask me, how was the day? I'm like, well, I did this and I did that and I did this and that and this. And I did some more of this and that and I didn't really get anything done. And then I have to kind of step back and say, hey, you know what, though? I, I did get a lot done and I'm headed in a good direction. And so when I can kind of put it into a bigger perspective of thankfulness to the Lord, um, it that can be helpful. So Does... Does the the foundation there is discouragement not necessarily at its base, but just kind of thinking through it a a lack of trust in the Lord at, at the end of the day, or or I mean because the, there can be other things obviously involved, but for for a lot of discouragement is it it's simply I say simply a lack of trust in who God is and what He's doing in our lives so 
I, I think somewhat, and I think a lot of times it can be and probably is for us. Um, but I think that there's probably a legitimate sort of like interim period when things shift or change contrary to our expectations and um, are either because the Lord hasn't worked in us yet in this situation or we haven't cast our eyes upon the Lord where that that discouragement I don't think is in and of itself a bad thing or like a lack of trust in some kind of sinful way as much as it is like often our emotions can be things where we uh, we see them and we realize something's awry. Now, what should I do in response to this? You know, um, not like our emotions are leading us, but they're indicators, right? They're signs that something is is amiss. And I think with discouragement, I think in the, you know, like kind of like Adam mentioned, in some of the lesser cases, uh, that kind of discouragement can maybe reveal idols in our hearts, mm-hmm. things that we are wanting that aren't necessarily things that we should want or expect uh, that, you know, our, our eyes are cast upon getting things done or, uh, you know, accomplishments or, you know, relationships, whatever the case may be. Uh, but I think that discouragement can also rightly point us to and, and be used by God to remind us that this isn't it. We're not, mm. we're not in the end. We're not in the world mm. that God ultimately designs for us to be in. And I think that kind of discouragement is actually a good thing. It's a, it's a tool that the Lord uses to, to point us to him, to say, stop piddling around, to use your words, Adam. Yeah. And, you know, we have to do the day-to-day things, but, but don't find ultimate hope and value in that. If, if you're, you know, coming home at the end of the day, like, you know, you know, man, great day. I got four projects done, and I can't imagine life getting any better, right? Then <laughs> something's something's amiss there. I know Adam's not like that. I mean, I think we all could struggle with that, but I, I know don't know. I know that's not what Adam <laughs> means in in saying that. But um, I mean, I just think with this, the last several months, I think the Lord has been uncovering a lot of those idols in a lot of people's hearts, including my own. Just you know, what what do you find your hope in and um, you know, Kathleen and I have just kind of mentioned being in a place where we feel like the Lord has brought us to a place where it's kind of like, okay, like we're, we're ready, we're, we're willing and interested in seeing what, what the Lord is doing, you know, where the Lord is taking us. And, and that has a greater ultimate value than, you know, whatever creature comforts that we might want or think we need. Yeah, I would add to that, uh, as Ron was talking and I had a chance to think for a minute. So thank you, Ron, for going first. Um, I think I would make a distinction between discouragement being a lack of trust and lingering discouragement being a lack of trust. Um, and I think I think that's pretty obvious. I, that may be obvious what I mean by that, but what I mean by that is I think that discouragement can come, can be a result of legitimate, unforeseen and quick circumstance changes that we have no control over that is an it's the lord shifting us and it's the lord um making uh just making us more like christ whatever whatever that may look like you know a suffering something that is out of the blue whammo here it comes we know the lord's doing something but it, it it's just a circumstance that's outside of our control that brings about discouragement that doesn't necessarily 
result in a lack of faith, or that's not necessarily a lack of trust. That can just be like, holy smokes, my life just got turned upside down. That's not fun. Now what do I do about it? But the lingering discouragement, whereby we just sit in that, uh, I oftentimes call it a pity party, or we sit in that mire, that I think is indicative of a lack of trust, because what made me think of this and put it in those terms is the Psalms, where like you see, especially with David, you see legitimate life circumstances that are pressing against him that he has no control over and are not bringing about discouragement as a means of his own selfish desires. I don't want somebody chasing me in a cave either. You know, and so like, okay, call it selfish. Yeah, and you're not going to be super thrilled and happy about that either. <laughs> exactly, right? like call it selfishness if you want to, but like his, <laughs> parts of his I life. I don't like fearing death. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then what? But then most, uh, most often, in fact, 99% of the time, the psalmists or David will turn his heart and trust to the Lord, which is then, I mean, you've got, I don't know what you guys think about genres in the Psalter, but if you want to call it a trust psalm, if you want to call it a lament psalm, if you, you know, whatever it is, most of the time the psalmists are running to the Lord for help in these times of discouragement. And so that, that to me is not a lack of trust. That is you know, where Ryan mentioned that these circumstances are of discouragement can actually be the way that the Lord is forcing us to run to Him. Um, so if we linger in it, I would say that's a that can be a a form of that could be evidence of a lack of trust. Yeah, and and I think it is, and I think we we need to take seriously that uh, that lack of trust I think is is sinful. It's evidence of sin in our hearts many times, um, and even when it lingers, um, that we are not overcome by that. Uh, to the extent that that causes us to spiral into depression because, oh, there's still this lack of trust here. But that, and, and man, we can find such hope in the Lord that he is patient with us in that, right? So it, if even if it, as it lingers, that we continue to keep running to the Lord and he faithfully, gradually, even over long periods of time sometimes is is rooting out those idols and rooting out that, lack of trust in him and really as a as a good father is is teaching us that he's trustworthy right mm-hmm. as we continue to hope in him as he shows himself faithful uh that that we keep coming back to him Ryan, um, you at, oh sorry yeah, go, ahead. go ahead nope go ahead no i was going to say you mentioned hope in this segment and then you mentioned it earlier too that like just not just have not having the thought of man this is as good i can't imagine life getting any better than this you know, that there is this element of of hope that is involved here that I think can draw our hearts out of discouragement. Um, and, and I, I'm thinking you guys can help me there. We might have to look it up on our studio technology here, but, um, William Cooper, uh, who authored, uh, uh, there is a fountain, right? Uh, there's a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, um, dealt with severe depression and what, what he called melancholy, uh, in his life, and uh, and yet, uh, at the end of that hymn, he says, "When this poor lisping, stammering tongue lies silent in the grave, 
and he's he's looking to that day when this life is over and there's another one to come. And it, what is the rest? How does the rest of that verse go? I, I'm not asking as like a quiz, pop quiz. I like I legitimately have forgotten. This is the part I was going to say we might need to look up. But when this poor lisping, stammering tongue lies silent in the grave, I'll sing thy power to save. For but what was. <laughs> yeah, see, I, if no, I hadn't asked, you would have know. known it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so oh, this is Are where the uh, this is where the good stuff kicks in. But even whenever we get that next line, it might be even better. But I'll keep talking while you guys are working. That like he, when when this then like, in a nobler, sweeter song. Yeah, there I'll it is. Sing thy power to save. I'll sing thy power to save. So. So the nobler, sweeter song, sweeter song, nobler, sweeter song, or tongue. Yeah. yeah. So in a nobler, sweeter song, uh, that's that's the how. But the thing that is going to be proclaimed for all eternity is Christ's power to save. But he's he he's drawn out of the melancholy because of the hope of of a kingdom that uh, that is perfect and uh, is where we were meant to be. So I don't want to. I know we're talking about discouragement. I don't know if we're talking about the ways out of discouragement yet, but we we can't miss that notion of hope. Uh, that I, again, the Psalm Psalm forty two, hope in God, uh, for I will again praise Him, my Savior and my God. So, yeah, this I had Psalm forty two and forty three pulled up uh, so that I could get the ESV version because the CSB. <laughs> Watch out. Uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> Says, why, my soul, are you so dejected? Uh, oh, sweet mercy. Instead of cast down. <laughs> we had a conversation earlier about the CSB. Um, I think if I hadn't had a significant amount of time in other versions, I would probably like it better. Uh, but it's just when you come to a new version and things are different, you're kind of like, oh, they got it wrong. It's it's terrible. I mean, but, after uh, studying the original KJV, it's it's hard to use that's anything true. else. Yeah. That is very true. I do think dejected is a good word. <clears throat> I, I, I do like that. I, I, that would not be my translation, but I do like that interpretive sure. translation. Sure. But, uh, anyway, keep going. But yeah, like in, in Psalm 42 and 43, I, I mean, I think discouragement ultimately is a lack of hope, right? We and, and ultimately hope in God. And I think, you know, anyone, Christian or non-Christian, would say, you know, wh- where there's not hope, you find discouragement or depression, or, you know, a more serious form of that. But um, David is is fine and very specific and explicit about the kinds of things that he's encountering, um, you know, uh, his, you know, the breakers and waves going over him. Why am I going to mourning because of the oppression of the enemy as with a deadly wound in my bones? My adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? You know, I mean, again, so like <laughs> I didn't I didn't get done today what I wanted to. And then you know, <laughs> David's David's trying to stay alive in the cave. Right. Um, I, I say that because Adam mentioned it, but I, I can be that way, too. And that's often for me, like if I don't if I don't get done something that I was wanting to get done, it's like, oh. but, but right. David regularly throughout these two Psalms in 42 and 43 uh, points himself back, back after he asked this question, why are you cast down? Oh, my soul, why are you in turmoil within me? Uh, he, he tells himself to hope in God. Um, and, and here's his hope, right? For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. 
so he's even even saying what he knows is true that he doesn't feel at that moment, right? Mm-hmm. So here's the That's hope. True. I know what the hope looks like, even if I don't feel it, and I know what the Lord says he's going to do. So I think for David, he, he mentions it multiple times. This is kind of why I mentioned earlier this idea of, of the Lord's kindness and his patience with us as we work through this. Um, you know, anytime we're discouraged, I think, you know, we're praying, people are praying for us and counseling us to keep putting our eyes on Jesus. And it's not like they say that once and you're like, oh, okay, you're right. Sorry. Okay. Bing. You know, and then we're looking at Jesus and we're all good, right? It's like, okay, I'm good. And then like 3.2 milliseconds later, you're like, yeah, but, or, oh, so I, yeah, Psalm 42 and 43 are, are great for that, just to even depict that, that wrestling and what that looks like. And just keep going back to the Lord for that hope. Psalm, it's interesting. Caleb, I'm going to jump in here because you're not the host anymore. But <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to go back to bed. <laughs> go ahead. And then I want to come to Psalm 130 with similar okay. ideas that Ryan had. Yeah. Okay. I, I wanted to... So... Because, Ryan, I think you hit on it really well. But, David, it's future tense. I shall, in the future, praise him, right? Uh, maybe I'm mishearing that or misremembering. Um, and then I'm thinking, I'm thinking of uh, Hebrews where Christ, for the joy that was set before him. Uh, I mean, if you think of anybody that could get depressed or discouraged, it's somebody who is perfect and no one no one sees Christ for who he is and is is wrongfully accused and all of these things yeah and and yet it's not it's not about the present and even though the present is a reality it hurts why are the breakers going over me all I'm being chased by my friends and my family and everybody is against me but it's the future trying to get our our eyes out of the present into the future to see where our hope lies um so I, I don't know if that's a, that's something there. As Chris, I've said this, and I don't know if I've heard it somewhere else, or, but just Christians are eschatological people. We're we're end times people. We're we're not, he, like we're here present, but that's not where our absolute hope and reality rests. Is in the present. It, it's in the future when yeah. Christ returns. Caleb, he will I was going to clarify too that you you said in the future, but you're talking about an eschatological future. Yeah. Right, like you're not talking yeah. about just I'm hoping in the future when this situation is over. No, I'm hoping That's in right. the future when this earth passes away and there is a new one to come. Yeah, yeah. my present circumstances might never change all the way up until the point of death. That's right. But when when Christ comes and the resurrection happens, then everything is going to be. My hope will be sight. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know. We will be Anyways. like him because we see him as he is. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you can uh, go to Psalm 130. Okay, yeah, Psalm 130, just a lot of these same sentiments, and I know, I I don't know at what point we shifted from discouragement to getting out of discouragement, but nonetheless, I hope it's helpful, but Psalm 130 has been a super helpful psalm for me, but it has similar ideas here to, uh, to what Ryan was mentioning. Um, in Psalm 130, I think particularly the issue is... Uh, kind of a recognition of sin, maybe, because in verses three and four, he says, if you account, uh, if you account of iniquities, Lord, who can stand? But 
with you there is forgiveness. So he's combating his own recognition of sin with with a, a, a truth that with God there is forgiveness so that you may be feared. And then the, in verse 5, I wait for the Lord. I wait and put my hope in his word. And there's that I'm waiting. Like I'm, I'm waiting on the Lord to do something. And that kind of trust in the midst of the despair, in the midst of the discouragement, um, is why we even run to the Lord in the first place. Mm-hmm. And that then is, that, that's not a display of, of, of a lack of trust or a lack of faith, even though we're still sitting in the discouragement while we wait. And um, Lamentations 3 conveys a similar kind of idea uh, to this also, but then in verse 7 of Psalm 130, you get Israel, hope in the Lord. And then this is the best part, because there's it's a ground clause. It's the reason why. The command is put your hope in the Lord, and the reason is because with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him there is plentiful redemption. And then the last verse, and he will, there's your future tense, he will redeem Israel from all its iniquities. And, and that is that future tense that I often tell people, like, look, this, this may be a battle until the day that you die, but when you die, God, when you die in Christ, God has kept his promises. He has kept his steadfast love to you in Christ. Um, and, uh, and so that psalm becomes true even if, even if we live through you know, a life of radical discouragement. Um, I don't know if that's helpful. I know that it, yeah. it has been it has been helpful to me. I know that I can also sit back and say that I have not personally experienced the gravity of suffering that so many people in this world have, and so um, I, I just want to acknowledge that. But at the same time, this is scripture, and and um, it can point us to the hope that we have in Christ, even if it's not in this life. So, even if we don't experience the relief in this life. Yeah, I like I like in that psalm, uh, Adam. You pointed to the to that last stanza there, and putting your hope in the Lord and, and just the certainty of faithfulness in Him. Mm-hmm. I like in the in the previous stanza. He says, "I wait for the Lord. I wait." And this is I'm looking at the CSB now, so I'm sorry if this isn't exactly like I'd want it to be said. Maybe, but uh, <laughs> he says, "I wait for the Lord more than the watchman for the morning," and then repeats again, "More than the watchman for the morning." And I think, I mean, there's, I've, I've seen a lot of commentators talk about how, you know, there's the watchman's job is to look for the morning, to wait for it, to call it out and everything like that. Um, but I think there's something too that, that really parallels well with the faithfulness of the Lord there, because I, I seriously doubt there have been many watchmans in the history of the earth who don't anticipate the sun coming up. Hmm. Yeah. Right. When they're looking for it, when they're looking for the morning to dawn, um, they're not like hoping, like with their <laughs> fingers crossed, like, I hope it happens today. Yeah. You know, I mean, some watchmen are probably looking at their watch, like, in 33 more minutes, I'll finally get to go home. Uh, but some of them, the idea there, though, I think is that there's the, the, there's an expectation that it's going to happen. Yeah. No matter what's going on in the night, no matter how dark it is, whether there's clouds out, whatever, like short of apocalyptic events happening, 
that sun will come up, you know. So mm-hmm. when he's when he says, I think basically the idea is how much more uh, do we yeah. do, do we Israel do we Christian hope in the Lord in His faithfulness? You know, if, if the sun is that faithful every single day to come up, how much more can we hope in the Lord in that? Yeah, that uh, it's the perfect illustration, uh, and and I we so often just pass over it or we hear it in a song or you know. More than watchman for the morning. Yes. Oh, yes. But yeah, when you really get down and think about that illustration, it is absolutely perfect for this kind of scenario because, like you said, like the sun, okay, the earth revolves. I, or, I get it, right? But the sun comes up and the sun goes down. That's how we talk about it. So the sun's up, sun's down, sun's up, sun's down, sun's down. And I tell, I tell students all the time, I'm like, look, if that sun doesn't come up, there's a whole lot more wrong than the fact that yes. you're discouraged. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, and so it, you're, it, it becomes the perfect illustration um, because the watchman is so sure that the sun will come yeah. up. Uh, yeah, your, your, your mode of discouragement changes when that sun doesn't come up. Yeah. I am no I longer did. discouraged about people trying to kill me. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, We're I'm all not, dead. Oh shoot! I didn't get those emails responded to today. Wait, the sun didn't come up. What? <laughs> but I think I mean to kind of go back to kind of where we started. A lot of this, though, even a lot of of this this coronavirus season, I think has has put people back on their heels. Um, yep. And I again, I say like, in many cases, in a good way, uh, because I I think the Lord is uncovering a lot of idolatry in our own hearts through that, but. Uh, things changed, right? Uh, businesses stopped. The world stopped in so many ways. And things uh, that we had anticipated happening as they always had and always would in our minds, uh, we realized there's a lot more uh, fragility in that than we, than we understood. And I think for a lot of people that this has been a time of reflecting on, man, I've, I've been putting my hope in X, and it's failed. So what do I do now? And I think a lot of that discouragement comes from things like that. And so, I, you know, ultimately, then we have to find that hope in Christ. Um, yeah, so yeah I, um, Jude... <clears throat> I don't, Caleb, did, were you going to go a certain direction or? No, I was just going to say Jude talks about how we think that everything's going to stay the same. Since the days of Noah, everything's just continued the, the way it has. Yeah. Um, uh, this thought has crossed my mind, and I actually, it, it has crossed and gone. I've lost it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had it about 30 minutes ago, and now I've lost it. Um, shoot. Somebody talk about something. Give me a second. Um, okay. So, uh, back to Psalm 130, it talked about how... I don't have it up in front of me. I'm sorry. You guys are going to have to have to help me out. Uh, how he looked in the word of God, right? Something yeah. along those lines. And and that, that's what I was going to ask about is, is, okay, it's nice to talk about, hey, I need to put my hope, I need to put my trust in Christ. How does that actually happen? How did it happen for David? Because he doesn't have Messiah. He doesn't have Jesus there to say, oh, he died for my sins. And he rose from the dead, and I'm all happy now. Um, how did how did David find refuge 
where he was, and then how does how would that translate for us as Christians? How much more hope, how much more joy should we have, even in the midst of discouragement, even in the midst of uncertainty in our life? And I was yeah. going to tie that back into the Word of God, so you guys can, or yeah. maybe not. Well, I mean, I think it is the Word of God that, that he was hoping in here, the Word of the Lord, um, via the Scripture that he had, uh, specifically in, in the Torah, at least. Um, but he also had, you know, the prophetic word. I think probably this would be, I'm not sure when the, when this would have been written, but um, just the idea, you know, for David specifically that, you know, the Lord had spoken to him specifically concerning his son, right? Specifically concerning his house that the Lord would build for him. And, you know, I think... I think David would find great hope in that, hope in the promises of, of the future of what God would do in terms of his son and his kingdom and all those promises. But but I think he, he also found a lot just what, what he would find in the Torah, this idea of, of who God is, of, of God's faithfulness. He knows of his ancestors, his family, who were slaves in Egypt for 400 years and, and saw there that God remembered, that God's promise meant something. Uh, that when he told Abraham what he would do, even if it took 400 some odd years, uh, that God would do something with that. And, you know, at, at that point, you either have to believe that God is who he says he is or not, you know, and, and he had the examples of, of seeing God prove himself faithful time after time after time. And I think that's, I mean, that's the kind of language that the psalmist uses in 130, uh, that, that David uses in Psalm 42 and 43. Uh, is is pointing to this steadfast love of the Lord, yeah. and so yeah, I'll I'll stop there. If one of you guys want to talk about the how much more part of that, the CSB says faithful love, but steadfast love, like it's God's covenantal love, which is exactly what you're yeah. referring to. Like, uh, it's it's remembering the covenant faithfulness that God has displayed in the past, and um, and and resting in that for the the present and the future. Um, you, Caleb, you kind of, your question kind of was headed in the same direction that I was thinking in, um, when I lost my train of thought. And I don't know if I've gotten it back fully, but we're at least headed in that direction. That what The, the thing that I was thinking of, and I don't know if this answers your question directly, but that um, this kind of, the kind of... Um, hope that gets us through discouragement is not just a mental assent to, uh, hey, self, why don't you hope in God? Uh, that might actually, and the way I said that there was a little snarky, but like that might even, that might even make, it, like it doesn't do any good to get sarcastic with yourself. Um, when you tell yourself hope in God uh, in the seasons of discouragement, that only works if there has been deep and joyful abiding in the Word of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, I, I wrote down here, uh, I don't know if this is weird or not, but I wrote down to try to remind myself, long bathing in the Word of God. And, and I think you know what I mean by that. Um, but uh, <laughs> no, can, you, can you flesh it out for me? Ryan, you can, uh, you can draw a picture of that smirk and put it on the... Uh, <laughs> put it on the the show notes or something but um 
like that to just sit and tell ourselves stop being discouraged hope in god like that doesn't work that only works if we have if we have um meditated deeply on the joy that god offers to us in christ so that when we do tell ourselves hope in god there's something there is something real and there is something satisfying uh that we can that we can grasp onto um, so I don't know if that makes, but my point is, I think that's kind of, I think that's what David was doing as well. Like, like Ryan said, I think that yep. the only reason that David runs to the Lord and says, and I, David Psalm 130 is not entitled to David. So I, I, I don't, I'm not claiming that, but, uh, any of these other Psalm three, any of these others where David is the, the author explicitly, uh, the reason that David runs to the Lord is I think because he has, he has, ruminated deeply on Torah, and he knows that the Lord is the only one to whom he can run with a satisfying answer to the discouragement that he's that he's facing. Um, but he only knows that, I think, because he's he has been, at least up to a point in his life, a godly king who meditates on Torah, according to Psalm 1 and according to Deuteronomy 17. Um, and uh, thankfully for us, with the progressive revelation, we have even more reason and more foundation to hope in God in Christ now, right? So, Yeah, I just pulled up Romans 8, at the end of Romans 8, where it, yeah, if God is for us, who can be against us? He didn't spare his own son, but gave him up for us. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? But I don't know. The um, to kind of tie this together with you know how much more we hope in the Lord's faithfulness. Um, Psalm twenty two is mind blowing. I think when you think about this text in in biblical revelation, in the progressive revelation that that occurs throughout the scriptures, and um, I hope I don't misunderstand Jesus's use of this psalm on the cross. Uh, but I, but I don't I don't think when Jesus says, "My God, my God, why have you forsaken me?" Um, that he's primarily concerned about the Lord's presence not being with him as much as he is thinking of this psalm. Um, maybe I, I hope I'm not misunderstanding him in this situation, but. Um, if if we imagine that that Christ was thinking about the entirety of the psalm when he says this, um, he is preaching to himself the promises of God, and I can't imagine a a greater witness of our our brother Jesus going before us hoping in the Lord. Um, I, I love the way that uh, this this psalm progresses as you move through it. And, you know, he says, you know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he talks about what looks to be a situation in which there seems to be no hope, right? That uh, he says, why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? My God, I cry by day, but you do not answer by night. I find no rest. And this like many of the other psalms where David is bouncing back and forth, he, he'll, he'll remind himself 
uh, even in the midst of this tumult, yet you are wholly enthroned on the praises of Israel. And you, our fathers, trusted. They trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. So he goes on, and what does he do, right? So, so this idea of, of hoping in the Lord is not simply having affections of trust in the Lord, but then actually doing something with it, right? What do we do even when those emotions or affections are still in, in discouragement or despair, um, he, he says in verse 22, I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will praise you and then calls for them to do the same. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him, stand in awe of him, um, explains why. And, and I love the way that this ends. He says, all the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. All the families of the nations shall worship before you for kingship belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth eat and worship. Before him all bow down who go down to the dust, even the one who could not keep himself alive. Posterity shall serve him. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn that he has done it. So David's penning this psalm, and he is believing and hoping in the Lord. He is proclaiming the name and the greatness of the Lord in his generation because he's seen the faithfulness, and he has hope and expectation that the Lord will be faithful then. And then his son does the exact same thing, even as he hangs on a cross, even as there is literally no way in that situation that anyone looks at this and says, this is a good act of God. Where is God in this situation? Yet even as he hangs there, I think this cry of dereliction is, is a cry of hope. Mm. It's a cry of, of declaring the faithfulness of the Lord in this situation. Yeah, I, I keep, in the last couple of conversations, it's um, I'm thinking of Piper's uh, book, Faith in Future Grace, uh, that, that is kind of this, we we have hope and we have faith that the Lord will deliver us in the future. Uh, I think that can even be... So, like, in in the present tense of uh, discouragement, the future could be the next moment. The future could be five minutes away. So, like, when we say faith in future grace, we're not necessarily talking about faith in future grace three months from now when we're delivered from this discouragement. It could be five minutes from now when the Spirit of the Lord infiltrates our hearts and enlivens the joy that we actually do have in Christ. So, But that faith in future grace is exactly that. It's a faith, because that future grace hasn't come yet. Yeah. But, it's, but it is banking on the past covenant promises of God. That he, and and if, if He has worked on our behalf so magnificently in the past... Um, why would we not expect that he would work in that way in the future, and therefore we have faith that that grace will come in the future as well? And um, I don't, I don't know that I would apply that directly to Psalm twenty-two. Uh, I think that's a little different, a little different uh, avenue from what Ryan was saying. But I'm hearing that kind of concept um, that that we uh, we can put our faith in the future grace of God precisely because he has come through in the past. Absolutely. Which, again, is part of this, I, I think it's part of this ruminating on the Word of God 
and and bathing in the the revelation of God in Christ, um, whereby we become so in love with the person Jesus Christ um, that that there is something to hang our hat on when the Scripture says hope in the Lord. Um, so there you go. That's good. Thanks, guys. I I appreciate that. Do you you guys have any closing comments, exhortations, or thoughts as we as we sign off on on discouragement? It's it's been good. I've I've really appreciated um, not yeah. not wallowing in the mire, but being pulled up. I think. Yeah, I would I would say do this in the community of faith. Yeah, that's right. Um, we 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 hang on to the Lord through His Word with his people. Yeah. Um, and, and he's designed it that way. I, I don't, I mean, his grace is sufficient. And I think, you know, if, if someone's in a situation where they can't get to the people of God, that he will find a way to, to lift their souls. But, but for the most of us, uh, I think he has not designed us to be able to just sit down with the word of God and have everything that we need by ourselves uh, to have the the right kind of hope and faith in Him, we need our brothers and sisters to help us see what we're not seeing. So, yeah, both yeah. Psalm one thirty and twenty two both call on the people of God to hope in God, and I, and I think that is evidence of this that of that community that Ryan is just referring to, and that that again, yeah, that that is we don't do this alone, even though a lot of a lot of what we've talked about today has been introspective preaching, you know, telling yourself to hope in God. But you don't do that alone. Um, you can't. That's good. Well, with that, we will sign off, as we always do, telling and reminding ourselves that there is ultimate joy to be had, and it is found in Jesus Christ. Pursue Him. <laughs>